Hi and welcome back to Women Who Fail. In this episode, I spoke to Julie Hall, entrepreneur, two-time president and mentor. I've had the privilege of previously working alongside Julie. After hitting a few frustrating roadblocks in my own life recently, I've actually now appointed Julie as my mentor. In this conversation, we blethered about when work becomes a massive part of your identity and what that means what it's like to start a company from a room in your flat, when to stop and when to keep on going, and why we absolutely shouldn't think that networking isn't for us. There are heaps of life lessons in this episode, words I know I will hold on to from this point, so I really hope you enjoy listening along to this conversation. I can't remember what I was going to say, but I think I've lost the sheet, so... But I'm sure I'll come up with something. <laughs> We're just going to fly by the seat of our pants. Yes, that's the best way. It's more natural, isn't it? <laughs> I am talking to Julie Hall. Julie, welcome. Yes, I, I wasn't sure whether I was going to mention it, but since we're here to talk about failure, <laughs> this should be a safe and comfortable space in which to talk about failure. We did, in fact, record this conversation face to face. And in true, in true failure style, I had my microphone on the wrong setting. So <laughs> my voice was recorded, but yours was not. So here we are for round two over Zoom. And it doesn't matter if we have to do it again. It's all a trial run, isn't it? You get better at it. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. You gave me four failures that you were quite happy to speak about and around Absolutely. And I, I think as, as you grow older and you get more knowledge and experience, the thinking of failure does change. And I think it's really hard for young people. You know, when I was 11 and I failed my 11 plus, I did think the world had stopped. You know, there was a lot of expectations from my family. And, you know, I felt as if I'd let myself down. And I, we were all totally ex- surprised at the result of it. And I think the thing was, is that you have to pick yourself up and get on with it. And and I do remember uh, being in the bathroom and thinking, I just can't even come out of the bathroom to see people. And and how am I going to tell my friends and all this? But now I've gone through it. It's, you know, it's good for young people to understand, you know, there are things that happen afterwards and you can adjust it. You can you can change things. it, it, you may have to go around things in a different way, but it can still, you know, it doesn't stop all your dreams. You know, it may take a bit longer. And, and I don't think at the time when you're very young, you realise that. Absolutely. And 11 is, is, is a young age. But yeah. I think what I heard there was that you weren't expecting that and perhaps your family weren't expecting that. And that that can hit you no matter what age you are when you expect a certain outcome. Yes. And that outcome doesn't happen. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. But um, I, I think at the time when I took my uh, 13 plus, it was they did then and shows my age. But one of the things they said was that I didn't, I wouldn't cope very well with exams. And one of the things was that I might be quite good at things, but exams were, were a bit of a, a problem for me. And, and then I think later on in life, yes, I, I have passed some and I've failed others. So I think it wasn't a good type way of testing me personally. Mm-hmm. And that's quite tough to be told that, that yeah. you're capable, but when it comes to being put through an, ex- an examination process that you might not get the outcome that you, yeah. you expected or that you deserve. Yeah. But then you kind of, that almost becomes ingrained in you and almost becomes, you know, a ceiling that you have to break for yourself. That's really tough. It is. It is. It's, it's hard. I mean, I suppose it, I'm a great one of sort of battling and, and not letting things uh, beat me. Um, and I think that was probably the start of it, um, that having something that um, I had expected and not having it. And probably at 11, it was the first time I'd ever had anything like that. And um, funny enough, I went to the secondary modern school and I came top in everything in my year. So, you know, I, I kind of it, it pushed me on. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and I think it's not always a good thing. Sometimes, you know, in business, you don't want to give up and you, you keep battling on. And sometimes you do have to say, look, 
enough's enough. I've tried everything and, and you have to back away. Um, but by the same token, the first thing that, you know, knocks you over, then I, I, I know how to now get up and fight on. Um, and, and, and I think that's part of life, really. And, and everybody has comes across things where something comes unexpected and you have to just think, you know, am I going to let it beat me or am I going to pick myself up, dust myself down and get on with it? And, and that's how things happen, really. But it's how you deal with it is, is the big thing. Do you think that those setbacks really helped you become what you then became later on? Because you didn't. You failed your A-levels. Yes. <laughs> a bit of a pattern here. <laughs> and, you didn't, and you didn't go to university. Yeah. And you got your OU degree at the yeah. age of 40. Yeah. But you, are, you were the president of the Scottish Women in Business and the Association of Scottish Women in Business. Um, you started a marketing company from your flat and that went on to become a hugely successful company. So those failures haven't held you back? Well, absolutely not. Not not at all. Uh, um, If anything makes me more determined. But I suppose there's always that little bit. I always wondered when I didn't get my original degree and I was working for people before I started my business, I started it quite late on, would I have got on better in the business? Um, And I did have kind of that feeling that I will get promoted because I'll show them how good I am at a job. But then sometimes you would see people coming in who had a degree who were suddenly leapfrogging on, and I thought, oh, is, is that hampering me a little bit? But there was nothing I could do about it. But I I was very, very glad when I did get my degree. I really felt as if I'd closed the the big hole that was there with not achieving academically. I think it all came together. And I I do remember my dad being particularly pleased. (laughs) Because, yeah, I wondered about that. Um, At what point did you do your OU degree? And what stage were you at with your your own business ventures at the point that you went for that? I hadn't hadn't started my own business by then. Um, What happened was I adopted two children and I gave up work for a year, been in working for newspapers. I'd given up work for a year and I just felt I needed something else to do. So I started doing my degree as, as we were going through bringing up the two boys, which were at the time were 22 months and three and a half. So um, I was quite busy, but it, it was something that gave me an extra interest. And it took me, I think, about six, seven years over the, over the period of time. And then I gradually went back to work and still studied and looked after the boys and they grew up into young men that they are now. So, um, but it, it was, gave me that opportunity to go back. I, I did want to years ago do an MBA um, because I thought that would, I just thought it would be really nice, really interesting because I was by then starting getting very interested in business and economics and that sort of thing. And um, unfortunately somebody said to me, I think you're a bit too old to go back to college. <laughs> And yes, name and shame them. Yes, I know. I should have at the time. I should have said, "I'm going to show you." It's you're not, but unfortunately, I didn't. And to do it through the Open University was at the time was far too expensive for me to be able to do it. But it would have been something I think I would have liked to have have done. Um, whether it would have changed how I did things, I've done some great courses over the. Uh, having my business and and I think I've learned a lot from that would it have made me a better business person I don't know I don't necessarily think so at the point that you sort of finished up with with school what did your future look like to you at that point and what options did you think were available to you to be honest I wasn't really very sure we were we were actually living in Cyprus at the time and I'd actually gone out to, I, I went to a boarding school and I failed my A-levels, went to Cyprus to retake them and I did even worse the second time. So um, I had a very interesting, um, I heard a very interesting call that my mum had with my dad and it was, oh, Julie's results have come in and this is, and I could, I just thought, I don't think they're very pleased, but they were fine. You know, we just had to think of the next option. So as it so happened, we were coming back from Cyprus and I needed to think about what job I did. 
And because um, I think college wasn't necessarily a, in, we weren't even thinking of that. It was just getting a job. And I'd always thought about doing lab work because I had did sciences. So I got a, my first job was at the National Coal Board. And I used to sample coal every, every day. I used to come home filthy dirty. Um, but it was things like Pacific heat of, of coal, um, water properties of it, all those things so that it could be graded and put into different uses. And I worked there for nine months until I got married. And I, I really enjoyed it. It was a fairly mundane, straightforward job. But for me, it was a challenge of um, doing it quicker or doing it better. And two of us used to do the same test. And if we could get our results exactly the same, then we'd done really well. So it was always a bit of my thinking is, how can I do it better or do it differently and do it well? And so that that's always carried on with me. So it wasn't quite the plan I had. And I did, they actually put me through college as well. I did a um, um, uh, science um, course as well when I was there. So but, uh, it wasn't what I'd originally planned. <laughs> no, I was just thinking of the, the contrast between our first jobs and yeah. <laughs> where I am now. It's amazing, isn't it, really? <laughs> but, but those questions that um, that you sort of asked of yourself, you know, how can I do this better? How can I do this quicker? How can I get a better result, essentially? Which are such useful questions in the sort of business field, aren't they? But I'm really wondering how you went from your first job working in coal to starting a marketing company um, from a room in your flat. <laughs> what yeah. happened in between? What happened in between? Well, um, a very edited version of it. Um, I joined the civil servant. I, I married somebody in the Air Force, so we were always moving around. I was a civil servant dealing with benefits at the time. Didn't like it and applied for a job as an administrator in a newspaper. And I was in the old days when you had printed newspapers, we used to have to tick the classified adverts, you know, pages and pages of them. Mm -hmm. the news what what was going to the next day or what wasn't going in again so I started doing that and um, I used to watch my boss and I used to get involved we used to have to cut off the classified adverts so that because the pages are done in fours mm -hmm. if you end up with one page of the four filled and three pages blank you've given away three pages Got you. very costly on a big print run yeah. so I gradually learned how to do that and then was I would say quite reasonable at it and then I used to see all the salespeople coming in and previously I'd been quite a quiet person and, and you wouldn't believe it now but um, I, saw, I thought oh I wonder if I could do that and it just so happened we moved to Lincoln and a job came up in the local paper and I thought, I'm going to apply for it. Actually, I went to see them, first of all, for an administration job. And the guy said, oh, no, you can't. We haven't got any. So I applied for the sales job and um, got it. <laughs> and um, I, I was the just the general sales person. And then I got I was the sales manager of um, Sleaford. And then I actually went and launched, helped them launch a paper in um, Boston. It was a free paper. And it was the first one in the group that had ever made enough money on its first print run so um so that started my love of selling adverts which is then what I then took into my own business when I eventually because that's that's the journey I continued then in as we moved I went into other newspapers I went into magazines and all that wealth of knowledge that I'd collected mm. was then mm. used when I started my own business so and I mean, sort of leaving, leaving the security of, of, of employment to go self-employed is not to be underestimated. <laughs> what was the kind of driving force for you? What made you make that jump? Um, I'm trying to think what... I'd originally, um, when the boys were younger, I, I'd had some full-time jobs working and it became obvious that I was missing things with them. 
Mm-hmm. I could, you know, it was mm-hmm. difficult to go to their sports days, and they had a childminder used to look after them. And I thought there must be something else I can do. So I got a, a job selling adverts for sort of local authority magazines. But it meant I, I then became self-employed, and that was my first step into self-employment. But it meant if I had a good day selling and I made what I thought was enough for me for the week, then I could I could spend time with the children and, and the boys. And sometimes in the holidays, they would come with me and bless them. They would sit in the car while I went to an appointment and then we'd go off to the, you know, the discovery ship in Dundee or we'd go out for something to eat. So it was just trying to balance it all so that I wasn't away all the time with them. And then that continued really. Um, I did have a, I suppose to a certain extent, uh, I was married and my husband had an income in the early days. So that certainly helps. I mean, it's if you're ever going to start up on a business, it's You've got it's having all the other incomes, but we we did split up and um, later on. And then what happened? I was uh, employed by somebody, uh, a newspaper magazine, and they said, "Right, we want you to make you self-employed." And at the time, I was I was just moving out. I had a house to to rent, and I just thought I can't cope with the vagrancies of ups mm-hmm. and downs of. Um, self-employed at the time and I, I went to him and I said I said you just can't do this I said you can't do it to me and I had to explain why mm. and he said okay then we'll employ you for the next year and it, it was fine but um the company went bust later on and I I had to I I think after that you somehow know much as it's scary to go self-employed I always felt there was something would happen. I had that belief that I wouldn't right. crash totally, you know, and, yeah. you know, it, it's that let's knock you down, but we'll get back up. And mm. it was that thought, well, it, it keeps happening. Mm. And, but it comes out all right in the end. And, and so I suppose the, the worry of going self-employed that a lot of people have, mm. it, it's, it's a massive, massive leap for people. Um, especially if you're on your own, you're a single mom, all of that, but you have a lot of rewards from it. And if you can cope with the ups and downs of it, then it can be rewarding because you have a bit more choice. Um, the, final, the final push for me when I started my business, I worked for a company and I didn't like how they were treating me and I was coming home really upset about it. And um, it just so happened somebody rang and said, would you do the advertising for a publication they didn't want to do it so I just picked the phone the guy and said my company doesn't want to do it but I'll come and do it for you and that's me started (laughs) yeah jump ship so and and never look back afterwards but um, there was a balance between being very unhappy Mm. and all the consequences of that or taking a risk of can I survive on it because again I had a flat um to maintain the mortgage so and that that was a better option for me um and it, it was the right thing to do gosh people are motivated for different reasons and and sometimes it can be the situation is so bad that you know whatever happens on the other side is manageable yes. yeah and, and it's better and and uh, there's quite a lot of women who leave for that reason things just you just can't keep on with it anymore and and, and now I would say with COVID you know there's probably a lot of people thinking you know they've been working from home and that can be stressful but they're beginning to realize they're home on time you know they they can see their children at five o'clock or um, they're not having to get up at six o'clock to get the kids ready to school to drop them off really early so I think there will be people now particularly women and even men now beginning to think perhaps I want a better mix of my life than than what it was and you can have all the money in the world but if you don't you know children grow up so quick your life disappears so quick it would be a pity if you didn't make the most of it as you can and I think people will think about that in the next coming years Mm. absolutely I think it's a really really important point yeah and looking back are you 
are you grateful to yourself that you made that leap and that you went at it alone and I know for you sort of you were very honest in our first conversation Julie about the highs and lows of you know flying solo and and how stressful that can be but are you really glad that you did it? Oh yes absolutely um it doesn't suit everybody um and and it may be it, it wasn't the right time for people I mean I was quite lucky that I was that bit older so I didn't, the children were by then um, at Belfort College. Um, that wasn't such a, an issue, but at least I was there when they came home from college and I could, you know, if they wanted me to do something for them, I could go and do it. I could move my schedules around. I still had that choice in, in what I did. Um, but no, I don't, I haven't, I mean, it's, it's been tough having your own business and particularly when you employ people as well. Um, and the money doesn't always flow in quite as you wanted it to and but you find ways of dealing with it but I've learned so much the journey I, from starting my business and the girl saying to me at a networking event I said to her I said I, what do you do and I said oh, I work in advertising I said nobody wants to speak to me they hate people trying to sell them anything and she said um shut me a sign she said don't think you're sort of you're selling yourself very well she said because nobody will want to talk to you if you start like that and she was absolutely right I didn't have my pitch right I wasn't exciting about my business and what I did and my abilities and but she was honest enough to and it so happened she got me involved with Scottish Women in Business I took over as president later years and then got involved in the ASB so and and that opened so many doors for me and being on boards and um going to New York from being on a board. I mean, it, it, the life I had, you know, and I still have, and the contacts I have and the things I've done would never have happened if I hadn't been having my own business. But, you know, you also have to take every opportunity when it comes. Right. And that, that can be a scary thing. And, um, yeah, I'm really glad that you mentioned those networks because it sounds like they were hugely important and hugely influential yeah. and kind of came at the right time. Yeah. Um, but I think we kind of, we do live in a bit of a, a sort of eye culture um, where we, we think that we should be, we should be going at things alone and, you know, you can make it on your own and you don't need lots of support, but I think, you know, you absolutely shouldn't really go, go at it alone. Um, I think you'll get to where you want to be faster and easier and more smartly if you, if you let others be involved. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about those networks and, you know, these kind of networks aren't maybe attractive to everyone. Um, maybe people feel like their business wouldn't be suitable for that sort of network or um, maybe they might feel a bit intimidated about approaching them or being involved. But what yeah. was the journey like for you? Oh, I suppose um, I got involved I was asked to do the administration for Scottish Women in Business. So, right. um, and then because I was doing that, they asked me to go on the committee. But I spent nearly ten years going to their events every week, every month. Um, and I'm a great believer in networking. This uh, Scottish Women in Business was for women only, and it doesn't always suit everybody. But it was a very friendly, supportive organisation. They're based in Glasgow and there's lots of similar organisations across Scotland. And the thing about it is, is that it's a good way of starting to talk about your business and develop within it in a very safe environment. Okay. Um, so we had a lot of people who were who used to go to women in business to start up and then they would come to SWIB. And then some of them used to then go on to the chamber because they wanted to mix networking or other specialist um, organisations. But it was always a good way to funnel it in. And it, it's amazing when you have some of them worked in um in corporate companies. So there are people from the banks, lawyers. So it was a good sort of mix of things. There was always sort of speakers, um, networking so you could chat to people. And, and you got to know people that you could go for a coffee with, or sometimes, you know, you might've had a lousy day and somebody, you're just talking to somebody and you just think, oh gosh, I love the way you're doing this. Mm. Um, mm. But, it, again, it, it's it's learning. It, it, there's something about 
some people can become very pushy when they're networking. It's all about me, 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 me. Right. Yeah. If you want to be like that, that's fine. But in some places, you know, Scottish women in business, we wouldn't encourage that. It's about listening. It's about listening, supporting people. And if you give things, if you help people, it's amazing how they help you back. And and consequently, I have got a, an enormous network of people. Like when I went to work at um, Revolution, I could tap into a lot of business people who I said, look, could you come and mentor my SRGs? Um, and, and they didn't mind at all, you know, and, and it, it's that it's you may not need your network at the time or that one particular person, but you never know when it might be needed. Absolutely. And I think we forget how nice it is to be approached and asked for help or your input or your expertise. We don't do it enough. You know, there's nothing. I I feel so honoured when anyone asks, (laughs) approaches me. I don't know what for, Julie, but anything. (laughs) You've got wealth of social media and podcasts and things. And and, and I think the thing is, is that, and I'm, I'm probably exactly the same. I mean, it's only in probably the last five years that I probably think, yes, I am good at that. I can do that. And But it was just something I did. I just just did it naturally. And it was only really later on when you start to hear people and say, oh, you've done this for me. And I go, oh, right, okay. And now I'm more honest about what I can't do for somebody and what I can do for somebody. Right. Um, yeah, absolutely. Because I think... I think yeah that way you become more skilled in the things you're better at yes yeah and you do you forget you forget what you know and how long it's taken you to build up that knowledge like I feel you know working during lockdown and having to move everything onto a digital platform you know it's been a totally new way of working every week feels like a steep learning curve but I know that I'll look back on this this year and think goodness what I've learned and I think because you, you're not constantly in a state of learning, not not to this degree anyway, yeah. it feels like yeah. this is sort of full on. Um, but to look back on that and go, well, I didn't know any of that pre-lockdown, yeah. <laughs> uh, which, is quite, which is quite an amazing thing, really. And everybody's had to learn, as you say, much quicker and again, be, you know, innovative and think about, you know, how can you turn your business around? You know, it's been amazing what businesses have done and, and, um, even the restaurants that are closed, you know, they've got takeout food that you can order and, you know, it's trying to think of different ways of, that you can do it. And I think that will make them stronger in the future. And, and in some ways it doesn't, you know, there's the old adage, you know, if you spend all your time working in your business and not on it. And I think there's probably a lot of self-employed people or even business owners, limited companies who are, too busy inside the business doing everything that sometimes you need that time back and that sort of covid scare and everything that's happened has made people to reevaluate what are they doing in their business and could some of the things they'll continue doing some they won't but i think it's given them the chance to really think and to reflect on do you still want to do it i mean there'll be some people who don't want to do it anymore Definitely. So what do you mean by that exactly, Julie, when you say spending too much time working in it as opposed to on it? Right. Well, what happens is, is um, if I gave her an example of, of my business, the advertising sales company, um, I started employing people and I was selling advertising just like them because I believe if they're going to do it, I should do it. But then having people working for me, I then had all the extra work of um, doing wages and the banking and all the invoicing and all that sort of extra work that came in but the thing was I went on a training course and it was really interesting we were talking about how we give out the work and would you believe it I had five people working for me and I was still bringing in the tea bags and the coffee I mean, <laughs> because you're that kind of person Jill. no no because I thought I had to do everything in the business so right, yeah. And, and then when I took away from it and somebody said, you know, are you, what are you, you know, I'm doing everything in the business. Well, perhaps I need to go back out of it. Look at what we're doing. 
is there work I can share out? Can we do things differently? And that's because you're so busy doing, you don't look at the bigger picture. Yes. And it made me look at the bigger picture. And actually, we started um, sharing all the workouts somebody took on the stationery. So, and, and it was a transformation because everybody felt more involved in it. And so we created lots of new publications that we did because we'd have regular meetings. What, what do you think? And they felt really part of it. Mm. Whereas before I thought I had to do it all. They were there to sell. But, you know, you're not a team then. You're just somebody telling you what to do and you're doing your job. So, it, it, you know, it was a good learning curve for me. And I, I took on, a, you know, a different attitude as to what you know, where we all fat, sort of fitted in in the company. Yeah, absolutely. And that, yeah, that, that's so important. And that sounded like a bit of a culture shift then in, in your organisation. Yeah. And I read recently, it was someone posted this on Instagram that um, what happens, um, you know, the discussions um, that happen in meetings at the top, they're no different to what happens at meetings in the bottom. <laughs> And I thought that's that's really important, you know, when you involve people at all levels uh, yeah. and you ask them to reflect on what's going on, any ideas they can offer, yeah. then interesting things can happen. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's, it's typical of really any small business and particularly one you founded. It, it's, it's, it's hard to sometimes let go of things that you've done, particularly, and, you know, I find it a, a lot in some social enterprises you know, when they are so passionate about the reason they have set up their social enterprise or their, or their charity, that, that they, they bring in people who are very like them, but they're not always the right people to take the organisation on. And it's hard then to let go of it a little bit because it's, you know, it's your real passion. And, and you can understand that. But, you know, if you're doing everything, you you you're not moving the organisation on, really. Gosh. And, like, employing people, that, that feels like quite a scary thing. I, I, think I, would, <laughs> I think I would struggle to do that, to feel responsible for a team. But, you know, these are big things. These are big things that you do when you run your own business. You know, who, who helped you? Who did you look to to sort of support um, you on, no. on, on those fronts? My first person I took on, um, it went through um, what was the regional um, development agency it used to help with things like, and you get part funding. So I took a young girl in who was um, unemployed and, and she, I got part funding. So that started me on the, the step. And then I think it's, it was as, as we grew a bit more than I took on a few more people and, and I just did it myself and worked out the funding. I think it, it's always difficult when you take somebody on and particularly when they're salespeople because they always think the next job is better than the one they have because they're very good at selling themselves. So I've, I did find it at times, I think I'd have a good, the full team and it was all cracking and then somebody sort of decided they'd go and work for another newspaper. or And, and so it, it was hard. Um, and, and But... I, th I think I was fair on everybody. Um, I supported them. And, and if that's their choices, I would try and we always used to do some training with them. We got the um, Investors in People Award. We worked for that. Um, and they were very much involved. And I know one of the people who left actually came back a few years later and said, have you got a job? So it, it can't have been too bad. <laughs> so. Well, yeah. I mean, did you take those departures personally? Um no, no, not really. No, I, I, I could understand why they wanted to go. And, and actually, if you don't want to be somewhere, then you shouldn't be there um, to a certain extent. And, and yeah. um, I felt I'd, I'd been as good as a, a manager of them and supporter of them as I could be. Um, so I, I think that was, uh, you know, it, it, it was just a nuisance, to be honest, and had to start mm -hmm. again. Yeah. But then later on, I decided... Um, what, what happened was I, I, I'd lost a few members of staff. We were changing over what we were going to do because the sales environment in newspapers and magazines had totally changed. It was going online. So we were going to do some new things and uh, I'd lost a few people. 
and I had one girl who was working for me and I, I was kind of deciding, do I carry on? And I got um, breast cancer. And what happened was that, I mean, I'm fine now, but I had a good year and a half of treatment all the way through and kept the business going. But um, unfortunately, um, my one member of staff left and took the publication with her that I was working for. <laughs> so it was all a bit grim. <laughs> but after that, I decided in, in view of the things that had happened, that I just didn't want to employ people anymore. I made a decision. It was I was going to go back to being just me, um, and so I, I changed the, the the things I was doing. I still kept on some publications until they um, we decided we part company on the final ones. But mm. um, I, I just decided that I would do something different, and mm. um, it took me a long time to do that. I was at Swift Networking, and I'd you get these. Um, sessions of this you get five minutes where you can talk about your business and what you're going to do and I said oh I'd like one but I didn't know what I, I kept putting it off and putting it off and I said I said to her look I'll, I'll tell you what I'm going to do it and I stood up in front of them and I said I said this is really strange because normally you stand mm -hmm. up saying this is my business and this is what I'm doing I said, yeah. I have absolutely no idea what I'm going to be doing but I tell you something I will come back in a year's time, and I will be doing something, and I will be making money at it. And and that was the trigger to get me back focused, because I, for me, I work best if I announce something. So if ah, I verbalize yes. my actions rather than writing them, and so I, and then you start hearing things that are happening around you. So yes. for me, I just made that step. This is what's going to happen. Oh. Julie, that's that, yeah. I mean, for, first and foremost, you know, just to acknowledge that you were diagnosed with breast cancer, you were you were treated, you know, over a year and a bit, but you still continued to run your business yes. during that time. <laughs> and, and I tell you, I used to do all the admin for the SWIB events. So every month I used to go to the events and take, <laughs> I, right. never missed, I never missed one. <laughs> Right. Oh so, no, I did. Sorry, I did one one when I went in for my operation. <laughs> right. So the, the appointment with the operation table stopped you at that point. Yes, yes, right. yes. But I was in the night before getting all the lists of who was going to the event done. Goodness. Yeah, I, I'm wondering what the um, the what purpose that works. Well, what what work meant to you whilst all of that was going on. Um, yeah, just wondering. I think I think it's work has been very very important to me. Yeah, and um, it always has been. And um, knowing I, I I used to get up and go to work, it just spurred me on to do something. I wouldn't say I was necessarily Sundays particularly productive, but I did it. I used to fall asleep by about eight o'clock at night in the chair, but. Um, it, it, it kept me going it kept me going and something else to think about and and I think it, it's it's almost part of my identity and that that can be a bit worrying I mean I think to be honest where after I had given up being president of the Association of Scottish Businesswomen I had I'd been on all their committees worked my 10 nearly 10 years getting to that position and when I gave it up and stood down mm. It, it, it was as if I kind of lost my identity because I had been president of that organisation. Yeah. And I had to rethink myself a little bit um, because I had been so absorbed in getting to that place that I wanted to go to that I kind of thought, oh, right, now I need to re... You know, and, and we, all, we all rethink about our businesses. We rethink about what we want to do. It's not a straight line. It's up and down and we... we reinvent ourselves and do all sorts of different things and that's probably what makes us a good entrepreneur mm. you know yeah. we can we can go with the ups and downs and the swing and the changes and and so I had to reinvent myself again and then when I sort of semi-retired and left Revolution I had to again think I, I could have chosen to do nothing, but I just can't do that. It, it, work is, again, such an important part of me. 
Um, and um, so, you know, I do some voluntary work and I do a little bit of paid work and I do a bit of mentoring and that, and I, I love it. I thrive on it. So for me, it's such a big thing. Uh, it's not a chore. I just love it. it must be mad. <laughs> I think we can hear that, Noah. I'm, I'm, I'm very much possibly um, an innovator, I think was the term that someone used and um, yeah, I think we get a gr- we get a great deal from from what we do. Absolutely, yes, yeah, yeah. I think it's a real privilege to say that you enjoy what you do. Yeah, and um, yeah, and you know, you found that. I, I think I found that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like what you said there about having to broadcast your idea or your intention, you know, putting it out there in the world because some people are too scared to to do that in case yeah. um, you sort of convince yourself that you're doing it already, and then you kind of slow yourself down or someone comes along and pinches your ideas yeah. Uh, but yeah that sort of saying it out loud and putting it out there and letting other people know what you're doing in case yeah. they're able to help you along the way yeah. Yeah. And, and I think the thing is is sometimes it's, it's um you're frightened of failing you know we're, we're on you know we are talking about failing here and, and how in different times of your life I mean if you broadcast that this is what I'm going to do um, you know, and you've got 30 people around you or even just talking one-to-one with somebody and you see them again and they say, oh, did you do that? Oh, well, no, it didn't work. You know, so we are frightened and, and consequently, I think a lot of us um, set small goals or not so high goals. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in lots of ways, it's, it's you know, where, where do you want to go? Um, mm-hmm. And can you break that down into smaller steps or and it may get changed and diverted? But what is it you want to do? I mean, years ago, I'd been to India and I was at an event and I said, I just loved it. And I said, I want to go back to India and do some work in India. And that was on my dream board. And obviously, I went to work for Revolution, where it came along a couple of years later. And I've been back to India and I've actually supported a project in India. So that was you know that was me and once it's in your head yeah you know where you're going if if you're kind of thinking well I'll just carry on working and I'll just see if I can get a bit more business then it, it's it's not you need you need to be more focused than that oh Julie that's really scary though so how 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 big do you dream how big do you set, how high do you set the bar how big do you set the goal and Julie, how do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> I make it sound easy, but it, I mean, going to India was actually just a a thought that I said at the time that I would love to go back and I would love to do that, and and it, it stayed in my mind. It was important to me. It was something I really liked. And I, a friend said to me once, um, what do you want to do now? And I said, I'd really love to go. She said, you brighten up when you talk about it. She said, and, and if that's what you really want, then you, you it stays with you. It stays in your mind. It, it's not directly aiming at it because you can you can have very strict goals and this is what I'm going to do and, and mm. this is that where I'm going to go next and the next step and that, that's fine but that wasn't that's not what I, I wouldn't call myself ambitious mm. I just want to move things on mm. um, so it again it's a bit better or it's something I would like to do um, yeah. and you know it, if we talked about revolution and helping the self-reliant groups they, they probably have an idea of what they'd like. They would probably find it difficult to verbalise it. But if you start the motion, it, it's amazing you don't go back as far as you were. So you slowly move on each time. And everybody works at different rates. Mm. But if you don't know what you want, mm. um, and, and sometimes people do what everybody wants, everybody else wants them to do. Yes. Or yep. what they think they've got to do. And yeah. sometimes, you know, you just need to. I mean, I've had a girl I mentored and she was talking about, do I want to carry on my business? I'm due up for retirement age. And we talked about it. What 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 did that mean to her and what did she want to do? And she carried on with the business because she loved it. And and 
you know, but she's done it in a different way. So she doesn't spend so much time on it so she can um, do different things. So it, it's kind of um, you making the choices rather than circumstances making it for you as much as you can. Sometimes you don't have a lot of choice. COVID came on, we didn't have any choice, but we can choose what we do with that. Yeah, rem reminding yourself that you do have some, you do have control. You are, you are in control. Yeah. Yes, uh, and circumstances can so easily take over. I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and that's where you know networking or talking to somebody just puts it back into perspective a little bit. You know, it, mm -hmm. um, you know, I've, there have been days when I had my business when I was worried sick how I was going to pay the wages that month. You know, and I've had a screaming match down the phone to a bank person saying, "You've no idea what it's like. You get paid a weekly, a monthly wage. How, you know, how can you understand me?" Um, and and you know, so it's not all hunky dory, but um, it it's you get a lot of other things from it, and uh, there's always things you can pass on to other people if they if they want to learn from it or hear or whatever. But I've always thought, you know, if we go back to talking about failure, I mean, yeah, I failed loads of times in my life. Things haven't gone how I wanted. Some, some because I didn't work hard enough. Some because I made bad choices. Some, but it, it's it's what you learn from it. And and I don't think we should be scared of failure. It, it's it's just a word that you. It could be just as you can still say failure you could just say I just didn't do it right or I learned from it or you know there's a lot of well-known entrepreneurs who you know folded business started another one folded them and you know Richard Branson is one um and and you learn from it all so it, it's I, I personally don't like the word failure because I, I very rarely use it it's not in my vocabulary what what's that word it didn't work out it didn't work out it didn't go right but what you know can we do it in a different way and and you know that that's what happens um I think when I was 11 I probably said I've really failed but you know I'm a lot older now and I know it, it's made me who I am I can hear how work and you contributing is still a huge part of your identity and that that needs to be held on to yeah yeah I just can't I just I don't know where it's come from I think my father was there um and my mum used to work but my you know I suppose it's a sort of worth ethic we've had in in it and, and I think the other thing was that um I didn't never got pregnant so I, I didn't know if we would adopt or we wouldn't. And, and I suppose work became more important to me because I didn't know if I was going to be, ever be a mum. And, and to deal with that, work became a substitute. And, and luckily we adopted two boys and it's been great. But I think that that started a pattern along the way um, that, it again, it started being my identity, you know, um, I, I, in the military, as a military wife, we were considered wives. Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, but I had to have, I always wanted to work because then I had, I had, that was who I was. I wasn't a wife, a military yeah. wife who did yeah. all the things you were supposed to do, but mm -hmm. I actually had a job mm -hmm. and that helped me. Um, and that somehow has been quite important to me. I don't know why, but it mm -hmm. seems to have stayed with me. Um, all the way. Absolutely, and um, yeah, the, the certain sort of role, the role and remit that comes with being a military wife, and expectations perhaps, and you seeing what work was for you in your life, and noticing the pattern, noticing how important it was, and perhaps what it was fulfilling yeah. um, that need in you as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's strange. It just I hadn't really thought about it. For a long time but it is it was kind of my identity and, and that's who I am um, and it, it's developed as, as I've developed um, you know and, and it's you know if, if I wasn't here tomorrow I, I you know I would like to say that in the business world and with people I have helped along the way I have helped people along the way and that you know if I was leaving a legacy 
then you know it would be nice that you know people thought oh gosh I, not just that she chatted to me but you know I, I learned something from that you know when we had a coffee you know I'd learned from that or oh I you know she suggested something like this and um and that's that's probably one of the things I enjoy the most is, is helping other people and helping them achieve what they want to do and just give them the little nudge in the right direction. Yes, and I can 100% vouch for this utter talent of yours. <laughs> you somehow know how to just scrape past the narrative. Just let's just shovel the narrative out of the way and get to the root of the problem. There it is. <laughs> I tend to... Um, when I'm talking to people and mentoring we might talk about a subject and then we go off on another tangent and then I might come back to it to see if there's a different answer so you gradually get to all right okay now uh, you know and then I go in a different directions until I think oh now I think I see not always right but I'm pretty reasonable at it no but that is it's a real it's a real talent Julie to not sort of get distracted by the excuses and the it's not working and you know it's because you know it's because of this this and this and actually it's something that a bit deeper and, and but also completely you know fixable absolutely and the thing is, is is if you know what's happening then you can do something about it if you're not aware of it um and and you you feel worse and worse because you're not doing it or you're not achieving it and you can't quite and it just needs somebody just coming in and and, and sometimes you know that's a bit when we talk about working in the business you know you're working in it but sometimes you need to go outside of it mm-hmm. and and look at it a bit differently or breaking it down to say what is going on here. Um, and that's why it's so important, you know, for any business to take time out and think about your business. Julie, I could chat to you all night. I know, we can chat for ages, can't we? <laughs> Thank you so much. Please don't fill semi-retirement with lots of things that means helping other people. Please enjoy sailing, enjoy time with your husband. You. you have done so much. <laughs> Thank you. A bit more still to do, but not too much. And thank you very much for asking me. You're welcome. Bye for now. Bye bye.